You have killed. And you will kill again. Everybody, do you like vampires? We like vampires, and we're gonna talk all about them right here on the House of Wax. <laughs> hey, yeah, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be a whole lot of fun. We're gonna talk about a, a less talked about uh, vampire flick that never even mentions the word vampire in the flick. If you've been watching uh, the updates on the uh, the House of Wax group page, then you already know what this is. And I guess if you've clicked on this, you've already seen that we're covering the movie Near Dark. And uh, to do that, we've got our, our typical band of misfits. To the left of me, it's the one and only Johnny Krug. What's happening, man? What's up, dude? Good old Severin. Good old Severin. That's right. <laughs> and over to the other side of me, my other partner, Levi. What's up, buddy? What's going on, guys? How's it going? It's going. It's finger licking good. <laughs> I think everybody was wanting to drop that line. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and the voice you're hearing right there is my good friend Billy Stewart from Scary Dad Podcast and a bunch of other things. I'm going to get him to unload on you. This guy, I mean, I think I'm a busy guy. This guy's got me beat. <laughs> and uh, But I just, I love this guy to death. Knows his stuff. Big, big horror fan. From, from the Scary Dad Podcast, it's my buddy... Billy Stewart, what's up, brother? Man, oh man, it's good to be here. Ever since I saw the uh, relaunch announced, I've been excited. And I was just hoping you didn't say we should talk about Friday the 13th Part 6, because we've discussed doing that show <laughs> twice. And every time we have, something's ended up like nuking a podcast. So we're not talking about Friday the 13th Part 6. <laughs> Yeah, we, we bring it up, and whatever show that we bring it up on, the show just disintegrates. <laughs> and it, like, disappears for six months. So, yeah, maybe for a follow-up episode, maybe we can do that. We've been jonesing to talk about that one for a long time, but uh, not today, not today. Not today, not today. <laughs> but no, totally, man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be on, man. Man, I tell you what, since we're already here, I mean, I'm going to get you to hit stuff at the end of the show, too. But uh, go ahead and tell everybody what you got going on, man. Your your podcast, you got uh, your your horror convention that you do. Uh, just that you're, yeah. you're an author. You're now um, now you're a drummer. I mean, just pour it all out there, buddy. I started a blog back in 2012, and it was called Scary Dad, and it was supposed to be kind of a prop building and DIY Halloween thing, and um, it never really materialized in anything. But then a couple few years down the line, that I met my partner Scott, who suggest that we do a podcast so i already had the, had the kind of the infrastructure built in and thought hey you know let's do that so then he and i started the podcast at the end of 2016 and during a night of drinking beers and talking horror movies we're like hey texas frightmare weekend is awesome but it's way over there so why don't we try to make one here so we added horror convention to our resume so we started that in uh, 2017 
and then this year we had our, our third consecutive year and we're already trying to book space for uh, year four um, hasn't we have, haven't quite found the right venue yet but you know it's December um, we've got until the end of September to, to, to run the event had to put scary dad on a short hiatus where I fixed while well, I fixed some web web problems and some uh, RSS feed issues that that was a little thread that I pulled that turned out to completely unravel the sweater so um, I just finished fixing <laughs> all of that and um, then yeah in my in my spare time I've got two young kids with in, in uh, school with all of the uh, activities that that entails and um, then yeah I decided to pick up the drums so <laughs> you're just trying to take up all of your time aren't you yeah <laughs> now in in the other band you were in you what played guitar is that right yeah i played i played guitar in a band it was funny because um i started this band with two other guys back in uh 2004 2005 something like that and um back in october the night before my horror convention actually we um or the night before my big halloween party we had a 15 year reunion but uh i quit the band like uh, 10 years ago so i was in it for five i quit and i was gone for 10 um uh, we had a reunion so that was that was a good time um once my, myself and the original bass player quit and then they kind of retooled and then they had a revolving uh door of players for a couple of years till they landed on a solid uh Lineup, and then this lineup's been together for a really long time. So, uh, but yeah, the, the, when when I left, it was everybody kind of parted ways amicably. There was no bad blood, so we all remained friends and have each other over barbecues yeah, and all good. that. Um, so it was nice to go out and, and jam a bunch of songs. And but yeah, we did that. Yeah, a little uh, right before Halloween. Yeah. So October's a busy busy month for me. That's awesome. <laughs> Well, of course, you know, you're a musician, Johnny's a heck of a musician, I play a little bit, and, and Levi plays a beer bottle, hey, so, yeah. you know. I can play I can play the hell out of a beer bottle, man. <laughs> hey, it, if, y'all, if y'all ever get together and jam, I'll, uh, I'll sit in the crowd and, you know, sip my beer, and I'll, I'll cheer you guys on like nobody else can. Yeah, he'll say, play some Skinner. <laughs> yeah, I know how you are. Free bird! Free bird! <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, folks, what we're, what we're going to do right now, we're going to take a little short break, play some promos and some shows you should be listening to, a.k.a. Scary Dad. And uh, we're going to come back, and we're going to jump right into the almost forgotten film, Near Dark. Stick around, folks. Dude, do you want to see something really scary? It's like when you're sitting at home late at night reading some scary story or something, and the dog just hops up like we runs out of the room for no reason. <laughs> Definitely check under the bed at that point. So who said it best? Rob Zombie or Samuel L. Jackson? Uh, that's a tough one. Welcome to Bright Night. Hey, this is Billy. And this is Scott. And this is a Scary Dad Podcast. <laughs> Join us as we talk about all things scary. Imagine, dude, if you were still conscious for a few seconds... Knowing your head was no longer attached to your body. So, have you ever played around with a Ouija board? <laughs> you know, no, I haven't. And <laughs> in like true poltergeist fashion, 
man. If it's scary, cool, or something we find just plain interesting, we talk about it. Every Monday, available on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher Radio, and on our website at scarydad.com. Caleb Colton no longer belongs to our world. We'll give him a week to see if we can call him one of us. He belongs to hers. But you have to learn to kill. He belongs to theirs. I want to kill. He makes a kill tonight. And they all belong to the night. It's three hours short for us to get home. You help me out? What are you on? Believe me, I told you. Don't think of it as killing. Amen. Amen. Don't think at all. If there's something that you do night after night, it's only ever a question of how. Nervous? I would be too if I were you. Near dark. Be your boys fall in with control. Check out time. some time, son. Like damn, it's my family. Let him go. Near dark. Pray <laughs> for daylight. The night has its price. back with near dark from 1987 the imdb score for this is a 7.0 and this movie stars adrian pazdar jenny wright lance henriksen and bill paxton uh, this movie is directed by cat yeah. written and directed by Catherine bigelow uh, actually co-written by her um but she went on to do a lot of big oscar stuff man she did like zero dark 30 yeah. and the hurt locker and uh, I, I think she did detroit but yeah, this is a this is a yeah. really good film to start with, though. I mean, this is early in her. I think this is like her second or third film. Good place to start. Yeah, it was a little hard for me watching watching this and, and making notes because I was listening to you guys talk about Sleepaway Camp, and I'm I'm very familiar with Short Bus, and I was like, dude, I don't think that we can really give Near Dark the Short Bus treatment because it's um, <laughs> it's it's certainly got its moments, but uh, it's a really damn good movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't think the people I watched it with appreciated it, but uh, I, I've always had a pretty good love for this movie. Man, I watched it. I just literally finished it up, uh, I mean, right before we started the show, and man, it was a fun film. Like, I love, there was so much little stuff I enjoyed of it, but I love a good vampire movie. If it's got anything to do with vampires, I'm all about it, man. And Bill fucking Paxton. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, and and that's the beauty of this film too. Is uh, one, I mean, you've got 
you know, what a cast here. I mean, you pretty much have pulled the heart and soul out of, you know, the, the James Cameron Aliens movie with Paxton and, and uh, Lance Henderson. I mean, come on. And uh, Diamondback. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, it just works so well. And uh, you can almost say that uh, a way to describe this early on is like, it's almost like uh, Twilight in a way, but just not as... I will slap the shit out of you. <laughs> I was hoping somebody would jump on that. <laughs> they actually rebranded it. Um, oh, dude. Sure. I haven't I did checked a- it out lately, yeah. but I've been trying to uh, buy this movie for a long time, and it's out of print. And um, I like—I don't know about streaming. I'm a, I'm a collector, so I like uh, you know, hard, yeah. hard product. So... Um, you know, DVDs. You like hard product. Yeah. <laughs> what no. is hard one in your hand? Um, but DVDs are like 14, 15 bucks for, for used DVDs, and VHSs are like damn near impossible to find. Um, but I've been trying to buy this movie for a couple of years for a decent price that's not, you know, break the bank. And um, Scott and I do this thing on, on uh, Scary Dad where it's called Fresh Eyes. And it's what the, the rules of fresh eyes are. We take an old movie that we've seen before and we watch it as if we've never seen it before. Kind of try to put yourself out of the fan mode and just kind of watch it anew and, and you know, see if your impressions change. And um, we were trying to find Near Dark for, for fresh eyes and I couldn't find a good, you know, high quality copy of it. But dude, there are a whole bunch where it looks just like the cover of Twilight. On the, exactly. on, the, on the reprint. Yeah. It's like, man, they were... <laughs> That's kind of why I brought it up, because I had seen a picture of that, and I'm like... I, I looked, I was like, did they remake this? And I said, nope, it's the same girl. They really tried to make the dude look like new Batman, didn't they? <laughs> oh, well, I, uh, I mean, I actually... I don't know if it was a Kruger Nation video when it, back when I was on YouTube, or if it was back when I did the show, but I did a whole segment about um, really bad updates to classic covers, and that was one of the ones on there was just oh. how bad... How bad the near dark cover was. I mean, you go from Bill Paxton with his head split open and, and he's just a, a meatball on the on the on the VHS box, and you go to you know Twilight. So <laughs> yeah, a little lost in translation there. Well, and, well, but also like I kind of wonder if you know, like I know they're trying to like get that audience and stuff, but I almost wonder if the Twilight audience is gonna dig near dark. I think we need to issue a, anybody that is listening to this show. If you are a Twilight fan, watch this movie and let us know what you think of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anybody that listens to our show is going to be a Twilight fan, though. That's the problem. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. One thing that uh, my, my my wife asked when we were watching this, she's like, "Well, she's like, well, what's the plot?" She's like, "What's the point?" Because we were like, you know, an hour and something in. And I'm like, "Well, it's it's kind of like a like a." a a crime road movie but with vampires in this and i said so it's it's like natural born killers meets uh the hitcher which this is also written by the same guy who did the hitcher eric ray it has a lot of that feel to it does have that feel and to me you can tell rob zombie pulled from this a bit because you end up caring for these characters when really you shouldn't and uh oh yeah absolutely you can kind of see where that was pulled and um I don't know. So let's talk about this. When's the first time you've seen this movie? I mean, Levi, when's the first time you've seen this movie? Man, <laughs> let's let's talk about it. What time is it right now? It's seven seventeen. <laughs> about seventeen minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's actually funny because uh, whenever I got on this uh, podcast, Ricky asked me, he said, uh, who's playing music? I was like, that's actually the end credits for the movie right there. <laughs> uh, Johnny, what's, what's your first recollections of this one, man? I saw this one when I was a kid, man. I, I saw this back on like USA Up All Night or something, I remember, yeah. and uh, really dug the hell out of this movie. I first saw it, I'm going to have to say, mid-90s. Um, this one slipped by me when it first came out, and uh, I had a buddy of mine that I worked with who was like, oh man, you really need to see this movie, and uh, so we went and rented it, and there was a lot about it that I didn't remember. I remembered the bar scene, and I remembered the shootout scene specifically that was like, ah, oh, you know, those were... Those are iconic scenes, but um, you know, 1987 was a busy year for for pop culture. And yeah. This one just kind of slid under the radar a little bit. And uh, how about yourself, Rick? Yeah, the the thing. Well, with me, I believe I think we go back to uh, the early days of Cinemax is when I saw it, and uh, so it's it's a uh, a long time ago. <laughs> you know, we kind of based Hell Ming off of those movies that came on HBO nonstop. Well, this was when like a few a few years later when you know they upgraded and we got Cinemax and they would show these flicks so this is when I caught on there and I really got about in, in in the middle of it and really didn't know what I was watching and I was just like wow these people are just catching on fire <laughs> okay I'm cool <laughs> but uh yeah that's that's the early recollections and then the years later on you're going back and you see people talking about movies so you you rent it again and uh, they go, oh, this is that movie. This is the one I remember seeing this stuff, and I didn't know what it was. So um, it's one of those that I saw and didn't know what it was and later caught it later on. Kind of like I did with Evil Dead 2. Same thing there. I didn't know what Evil Dead 2 was. And the copy that I had was on a VHS and had missed the, the opening of it, so the credits were off. And it just started when the car comes out of the tunnel. And you, you, it just goes from there. So I spent, you know two or three years watching this movie over and over and over not knowing what it was and then later on I saw the first Evil Dead and I was like hey it's the same dude and I was like hey it's the same movie but cheaper <laughs> <laughs> so yeah Near Dark's one of those that uh, eventually uh, Anchor Bay released it you know back in the 2000s or whatever and I bought the, the, the copy that came out it was THX and it it's has a, a documentary release. on it and stuff really it, it really is it still looks good and uh, so I've still got that in my collection. I haven't upgraded it since. So well, I'll uh, tell you, Ricky. I think uh, I might need to borrow that from you soon because uh, the copy I watched. I mean, I, I I could make out everything, and it was it was a decent copy, but it wasn't it wasn't anything worth talking about. But what I will say, one thing that I do want to say, listening to you guys talk about it, me being a first time viewer of this movie, that I'm very surprised this film flew under the radar like it did. Because there were so well, many little snippets in that movie that I could see in other vampire movies. Like, I mean, from uh, John Carpenter's Vampires. I mean, one thing that caught me all, caught me sure. from the very get-go was the opening scene was like the same sun setting that you see in every vampire movie in the history of time. And so then, on, well, let, well, let me ask you, yeah. buddy, because you you said in the last in the last show in Sleepaway Camp that uh, you're a younger gentleman. Um, have you Googled pop culture in 1987 to see everything that came out? <laughs> let, let me give you this, man. My my show, Scary Dad, we did an episode called 1987. 
it turned into a three-part episode. We don't have any other three-part episodes where we <laughs> all we did was top line. We top lined movies, television, and music that came out in 1987, and you would be blown away to know some of like everything that that has ever been a game changer somehow came out in 1987. Yep. So it is very possible that it threw on, flew under the radar as, as uh, iconic as it is is because it's I mean there's just there's so much competition for the attention and it was up against Lost Boys so that, that's what I was going to say there was a little movie that came out the same time called Lost Boys that kind of took top shelf and everybody just didn't pay attention to this one. Oh yeah and I well, and I definitely I definitely noticed that you know but I it just it did there's so much little stuff in that movie where I was like wow that that actually you know people have used these kind of stuff this kind of stuff in other future films, you know, and I was just kind of like, I mean, I felt like I was watching, I mean, a mix between Roadhouse and John Carpenter's Vampires. And John John Carpenter's Vampires is probably one of my favorite vampire films of all time, and I saw so much of that film in this film. You want to hear something kind of crazy is uh, this movie, uh, the guy in this, uh, Joshua Miller, who played Homer, the kid, that's actually mm-hmm. the the brother of Jason Patrick from Lost Boys. Oh wow! <laughs> and and their dad is Jason Miller from The Exorcist. Oh wow! Huh? Ah. So there you go. Got a little uh, horror movie trifecta there. Yeah, really. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I wonder if they ever sit around mm-hmm. drinking beers and being like, "Man, my movie was bigger." It's like, well, mine made more money. Well, well, mine's better appreciated. <laughs> I mean, when your dad's <laughs> when, when your dad's in The Exorcist, it's like, come on, man. I mean... <laughs> yeah. How do you compete with that, right? <laughs> I had more screen time than you did, and he just goes, exorcist. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Takes a sip of his beer, and he's just like, amateurs. <laughs> I'm sorry, did anybody break their coccyx on the set of your vampire movie? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, man, you, you kind of get this beginning, which is, I mean, come on, let's let, we're, we're kind of dodging some things here, but... Our, our hero of the movie that we're kind of following falls for this gorgeous lady, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, and when I mean gorgeous, I mean like... I think so too, <laughs> all right? And I've I've been met with debate on this because I some people are like, oh, she's just she's nothing special. But I don't know, there's something about Jenny Wright, man. Yeah. Pink, Pink Floyd the yeah, Wall. Yeah, I agree. And maybe it's because she's out there eating an ice cream cone. I don't know. Got my attention. <laughs> well, it starts off pretty broke back before that, you know, with the guys <laughs> hanging around the truck. I'm like... I'm like, man, I don't remember this much like homoeroticism stuff going on. <laughs> Come on, Jake, pull your pants down. Yeah, let's go, buddy. She's <laughs> like, can I get a look at that ice cream cone? Go ask the woman. <laughs> so, so I watched, I got this movie in about three to four weeks ago, I guess, and I watched it immediately. And then I watched it again last night to kind of, you know, study up for the conversation tonight. And one thing that struck me is um, you almost can't talk about well you can but you can't talk about Near Dark without talking about Lost Boys and noticing that both movies have the same fatal flaw in that it's probably not a good idea to either change to either change or uh, attempt to convert somebody who doesn't want to be converted Um, right (laughs) because You know, like in Lost Boys, he's got Sam and his mom that are like loving and caring, and he's he's not really 
going to the vampire side voluntarily, and neither is uh, neither is Caitlin. You know, he's got he's seems pretty happy at home. He seems pretty well balanced, and you know, he's gonna be missed. He's got friends. You know, he's not just some rando off the side of the off the street. And growing up, like with with well, Lost Boys did it for me, but with vampire lore and reading like uh, you know the Vampire Chronicles and different stuff is, you know, the ones who survive a long time learn to pick off the edges and not uh, make themselves known. And yeah. you, you kind of see what happens to both the families in Lost Boys and in your dark. And what do they have in common? They both got trapped by the girl. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Happens every time. I mean, hey, Caleb, Caleb, he, he made his bed, man. I mean, whenever you, you get a girl, you know, you take her to show her a horse and she tries to run away because the horse is trying to kill her. And what does he do? He lassos her. I mean, you're going <laughs> to lasso this woman. I mean, in, in modern day era, that woman, would you would have heard her scream rape from about three miles away. I mean, <laughs> you cannot lasso a woman and let it end well. <laughs> well, also, all the warning signs are there because she changes moods like five times in their like 10 minute ride. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> she, she goes from like all like seductive to kind of scared and pensive and depressed and then, you know, take me home. And it's like, dude. Well, it's she. Of course, you, when you go back and watch it again, you kind of you kind of think about it. It's she's on this tightrope because basically he's supposed to be the next meal, but she kind of likes him, you know. Yeah. So it kind of turns into one of those things. So she tries to to bypass all of her her needs, and uh, and uh, of course he won't stop. So there you go. He 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 gets it. <laughs> yep. He wasn't taking no for an answer. <laughs> Here's my problem with the vampires in this movie. Do none of them have a watch? I mean, can none of them tell time? Oh, Because man. they seem to get caught out in the daylight all the day. I mean, do you not know that the sun's about to come up? That's what can I'm you, talking about. That is, that is it, because <laughs> I wrote that down on one of my notes. I said, these vampires need to work on their time management. They need to get this figured out. <laughs> yeah, especially if uh, if Jesse's been around since uh, since the Civil War. Exactly. Like, <laughs> watch, watches have existed his entire life. So... <laughs> <laughs> They're not some newfangled contraption. That's that, why the South lost. Right. <laughs> we couldn't tell time. Couldn't tell time. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? And and again, another thing that makes this, and I don't know if you've seen the documentary that goes along with this, but you know they talk about, I think Bill Paxton got his hands on the script first and fell in love with it, told Lance about it. Lance was like, I'm not going to be in some cowboy vampire movie. That sounds stupid. And he read the script, fell in love with it, and they were both kind of competing for the same part. And it ends up, you know, Lance Hendrickson got the other part, but and then that, they passed that on too as well because of Aliens. And then uh, the director actually called up James Cameron and just wanted to say, you know, hey, you know, they want to be in this movie. If you don't want them to, I can understand. And he was cool about it. So that's kind of wild, you know, that it worked out like it did. And uh, come on, man, Bill Paxton. It's almost like, you know, Lisa from... Uh, uh, weird science just turned Chet back into a person and he just kept being the a-hole that he was from the beginning right. and he just became a vampire you know <laughs> well I was going to say before before we meet Severin the, 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 the burning scene when he's running through the field 
is awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. That is that is so yeah. cool when he's like doesn't you know he has no idea what's going on. He just starts burning as he's walking home, and uh, like the the special effects on. I mean, it's practical effects, and it's obvious. You know, you can tell how they did it, but it doesn't matter. It still looks awesome. And uh, the, well, the, he the, talks about it in, in the documentary as well. He talks about you know it was cigars. They took cigars and they put them in these tubes that had little fans on them, and oh, it would wow. blow. <laughs> it would blow these lit cigars up through these tubes, and that's what was pumping out. And he said he smelled like cigars for like three weeks afterwards. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I gotta say though, man, this this movie after watching it, Bill Paxton, man, every movie I watch with his, rest in peace to him because that man it pulls on my heartstrings. He's so good in every role he does. Very yeah. much. Yeah, in my notes, right after the burning through the field, he gets picked up by the RV. I write, wrote an underline, like, then he meets her oh, yeah. side of the family. Like, he meets the in-laws. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know if I want the join this. <laughs> I don't know if I want to be part of this crazy, crazy family. <laughs> you got, everybody's pretty low-key yeah. except for Severin. And, uh, he's, well, he's at first, it's like they, they, don't, they don't realize he's turned at first, so Severin's ready to, like, nosh down. And they're all mad at her. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. It's so weird, too, because, you know, as the movie goes on and it gets to where he starts having the cravings and stuff, you know, I've never seen a movie where this group that is kind of responsible for you being changed is ready to kill you off because, you know, if you don't make your first kill, we're going to kill you. I'm like, <laughs> why would a vampire care? Why would they care at all? If you he don't, does or you not. don't I mean, eat. I eat. I mean, that's the way that should go. I mean, I think it's just at the. I think it was like pack mentality yeah. or something. Yeah, because he'll tell on them. Schoolyard as you want to get. Like he can't leave any anybody alive to know that they exist. Yeah, that's right. the, I mean, vampire so. or not, they're straight up killing people. So, the bar like, scene shows that to a T, <laughs> man. That bar scene, I was. Uh, that bar scene was awesome. <laughs> it takes a lot for me to say a scene is just awesome, and that bar scene is absolutely awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's what most people talk about when they talk about this movie is is that whole scene from the time the door kicks in and the John Parr songs play in the background. Naughty, naughty, beating body, Tease, man. I'm like, man, they're playing some John Parp in this book. <laughs> Play St. Elmo's Fire when you're done. <laughs> then they followed up with George Strait. So there you go. Right. Which, a long time ago, I read a thing talking about, you know, certain certain music that's used in, in movies for comedic effect. And, like, for example, um, uh, American Werewolf in London. Um, yeah. Landis used you know, pop hits that were related to the moon or the wolf or whatever, but, um, like cer- certain things that are, are either pop, pop songs or funny things that just make this, the horror seem all of them, all the worse. And yeah. when, when that, you know, cause like, it's one thing whenever you kind of got the, the, the dirty lounge, you know, grunge, vampire song playing while Severin's tearing up but then you got that one last survivor clicks over to George Strait and you're just like oh man this guy's over with and yeah. he's gonna and he's gonna watch it come at him slowly like this is 
this is rough. <laughs> like this is that was a very well yeah. done scene. And of course, the song is "This is when the cowboy rides away." So it's like almost the perfect lyrics for <laughs> what's happening. <laughs> and then I love it. He just takes off and does a somersault through the window. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey! But you know you're in trouble when you're a vampire and you bite a dude, and then you find out that Tim Thomerson is is his dad. That's right, folks. Scanner <laughs> cop himself, doll man himself. Burdette Cow from Rhinestone is the daddy, and he's coming after you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I figured Johnny was a fan of Tim Thomerson. I don't know if he is or not. I actually, I mean, I, I recognized him, but I don't really know him from a whole lot, I guess. Is he from the Dollman movies? He's he's Dollman, yeah. Oh, he's okay. also Scanner Cop, yeah. That's crazy. And, yeah, uh, I mean, I, you know, now I do recognize him from, from uh, but I, I never saw Scanner Cop, though. Oh really? Don't, well, don't waste your time. <laughs> <laughs> there's like three or four of them. I mean, it was that popular. Holy crap! I'm sure it's Charles Band, so you're not missing much, right? I don't know. <laughs> I remember him because he was in Rhinestone, which is the Stallone and Dolly Parton movie that I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. And he plays a, a character on there called a Birdette, and he's just hilarious. So I've just I've always loved this guy. He's just one of those guys that popped up in a ton of movies that I just grew up watching. So, eh, I like him, man. Yeah, I mean that that's got to be because I'm looking through his his uh, film, um, his, his filmography, and Dollman's like the main one I noticed that I would have seen that and Iron Eagle. Iron Eagle, yeah, he played Lou Gossett Jr. <laughs> <laughs> <Get> really good. <laughs> he looked just like him. So, yeah, man, I mean, you know, that's the interesting thing about this story. I, I really like the way this movie shows you the good and the bad because most vampire movies, I know a lot of people look at them from a romantic side, right, because you get this everlasting love kind of thing going on. But this kind of can shows you, yeah, you can live forever, but the downside of it is you get to live forever. And uh, case in point, you've got one guy that's on the team that, I think we said it earlier, is a, is a young boy. Maybe, I don't know, 12 years old when he got bit. But he's actually a really old man, but he's trapped in his little kid's body. So, you know, that's that's a torture. It's it's a it's a damned soul. Well, and that's one of those uh, one of those no- details I didn't quite notice the, the couple weeks ago watching it, but I noticed last night is Homer's got it out for... Uh, for Caleb, because as far because Homer turned May, and May was his, and then she went yeah. off and, and found right. Caleb. So so Homer's Homer's not happy with that, and um, right, and that's another that's a throwback to uh, like interview with the vampire with Claudia, who was like several hundred years old, and right. uh, you know eleven in, in the body of an eleven year old, and I mean. There's there's almost nothing you can do in horror that doesn't get scarier when you add children. <laughs> and, Absolutely, uh, very true. D- d- demonic very children true. Are, uh, are are frightening, and then demonic children with uh, unrequited love issues that can't can't be requited because of what their body's made out of. Like, oof, he's he's not yeah. a nice kid. <laughs> like, he's he's not he's not good. Yeah, I remember watching Homer. I mean, that little kid. I was just like, God, he's such a little asshole. I, like, God, you just want to punch the shit out of him. 
but then you think like take 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 exactly him and just put him in the body of like a, a of a thirty year old, and he's he's not anywhere near as bad as Severin, but he's just as scary. He's Lance Hendrickson. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and what can you say about Lance Hendrickson, man? I mean, the guy is just incredible. No matter what he does, I believe if if you go back and study him, that he doesn't even really know how to read. Uh, so the fact that he's had this career is is amazing and uh very kind of methody methody actor you know mm-hmm. he really gets into character and doesn't like to break character and uh again the documentary kind of talks about that stuff he talks about his fingernails and all that stuff that he went and had fake fingernails put on made them real large and huge and like chipped them off and stuff like they haven't been groomed since the civil war and uh he kind of gives that air off about him, and, and uh, I don't know, man. I just I admired him in just about anything he's in. Oh, yeah, he's uh, awesome. Oh, absolutely. Yes, very yeah. much. He was awesome in Hard Target with Jean-Claude Van Damme. He's he's, he's awesome in everything. Yeah. Man. I mean, I, the quick and the dead. <laughs> when Stone he plays Cold. Ace. Stone Cold. Hell, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, you know, again, the beauty of this movie is you're taking all those old classic ideas of vampires and I want to suck your blood and that kind of thing and you're throwing it out the window and you're making it uh, more in a modern era, you know, setting. Uh, Oklahoma, correct? Isn't that where this is supposed to be? Yeah, and, they're, uh, they're so you, you, it's not really not American Gothic, but more Southern Gothic. How about that? Well, that's one thing that did strike me because the same, the same with the watch and always kind of skirting on the edge of dawn you know it's like i don't know if this is like a a, like deeper subtext where they're like almost suicidal um but you know you have to wonder again this you know talking lost boys like it's it's safe to assume they kind of live in the same universe you know are they aware that there's other vampires and you know you look at the vampires in santa carla they're not a whole lot different um as far as yeah. you know, they're kind of the the outsiders. The you know they sleep in a cave. You know they're not your regal Dracula count type folks. They're right. outcasts and misfits. And uh, it kind of bothered me because I was yeah. like, man, if you've got that long of a life, you got time to like stack up some cash a few times over. Um, you can probably <laughs> buy yourself a nice make it uh, worthwhile. Yeah, yeah. You might buy yourself a nice high rise with blackout windows with an alarm clock, and you'd probably be good to go. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a maybe a chauffeur to drive you around so you don't yeah. have to do all this yourself, you know. But uh, <laughs> they they live the the life that they live because it works for them or they like it apparently. So can't be too right. critical. Well, and that goes back to the Bonnie and Clyde kind of feel of this thing, you know, the natural born killers, the the just running and and throwing throwing your cares up in the air because you've got this eternal life and you can go wreck havoc and make great memories. They even do, hey, remember that time we set that fire in Chicago? And you're like, okay. (laughs) 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 So a a lot of play there. And, And, you know, the fact of they can be shot over and over and over and it heals back really quick, you know. Everything was really quick in this movie. Everything was really quick in this movie. Like, I mean, even from Caleb getting bitten. I mean, like, it's it obviously it varies in every vampire movie. I mean, how quick they change. But like, like, uh, like y'all said earlier, you know, he gets bitten, and then 
it's like maybe 15, 20 minutes later, he's walking through the field and he's smoking like from, from every part of his body. And it's just like, wow, compared to other vampire movies, he turned really, really quick and got, you know, yeah. to that point to where he couldn't be out in the sunlight. Yeah, I didn't remember that. I didn't remember him turning so quickly until I rewatched it. I, and just imagine how crazy. I mean, you see your son coming across the field and he's smoking. Then a Winnebago just swings by and picks him up. <laughs> yeah, this is back when, when parents actually cared about their kids. It's like, hey, is that my boy out there smoking? Yep, and they, they could whip that Winnebago. Like, it, it was crazy. I mean, you see that last scene where, you know, Hooker's driving and he whips that thing around and does a full, like, 180 degree turn I'm just like man he's whipping that thing <laughs> that's one of those thing, things in my notes it's just kind of like the way time passes is they don't know where to look for uh, for Caleb so they go searching for him and you know obviously in the day before cell phones so he's calling home they're not answering and they're right. at a gas station showing pictures to people and pe- people are looking at right. the pictures I'm like okay that's the days before cell phones and that's the days before Facebook like, none of these problems right. would happen anymore like the problem might happen, but he just call his dad and be like, "Hey, dad, I'm uh, turning into a vampire. I'll uh, catch you. <laughs> catch you on the flip I'm, side." I'm, I'm shacking up with this chick and a guy from Weird Science, so don't yeah. come looking for me. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and uh, come on, man, uh, the the scenes where they go out the second night to for, to to feed, and mm. you know, you, you get you <laughs> you get the bicycle scene right. <laughs> Where yeah. he lays down in the street, acting like he's a hurt kid, and somebody comes up and he grabs them. And you get the scene with Lance Henderson and, and Diamondback, and they're riding down the road, and the guy asks them for a ride, and they kind of hold him hostage. And Lance has got that great line, you're going to look awful funny with your face ripped off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and come on, man, let's talk about Bill Paxton on the side of the road. Taking out his gun and like acting like he's shooting behind his back, and the truck pulls up, and that woman wearing that big pink cowboy hat. Howdy! Right. <laughs> I was thinking that same thing. I mean, in my notes, I wrote, you know, kid on the bike, plausible. People picking up a hitchhiker, getting robbed, plausible. Random greasy cowboy on the side of the road in the middle of the night, <laughs> having two chicks pull over and giving him a ride when he's carrying a giant ass pistol. That's a little implausible. And the fact that the fact that what he says to the woman as he's slicking his hair back, he's like, "You two ladies want to go for a drink?" Like, who stands on the side of the road and just waits for a ride and says, "Let me buy y'all a drink. Let's go." Well, how about how about when they say yeah and he goes, "Woohoo!" <laughs> You're a little excited there, buddy. <laughs> He's just great. So over the top, man. Oh, yeah. And I had no idea. I had no idea that he left from this movie and went and bought a red pickup truck and started fighting tornadoes. Like, that was that was intense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We'll save that for another episode. <laughs> but, yeah, man. I mean, this, this movie is, is fantastic. Like I said, you should really hate these people because, I mean, they're doing what they got to do to survive. But they sure do make a mess of things. There's probably a time when they were more considerate. You know, I, I, another movie comes up to mind in uh, Innocent Blood. Y'all remember that one? Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. Sounds familiar. I don't know. Now, 
Oh, we we need to cover that one too, Who? man. That's another great vampire flick, and that's John Landis. So Who was you know it? what Who you're getting it? there. Uh, oh, what's the girl's name? She's a French actress. Sounds familiar. Her thing is that she goes out and she kills she kills off people that need to be killed off. So she's cleaning the streets, getting rid of mobsters and hookers and drug dealers, and so she's kind of got that angle going on. Okay, and, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yes, it's. It's a great movie. But uh, these guys were probably that way at some point, and then they're just like, you know what? Let's just do our thing. Let's, let's, we're, we're bored to death. We've been on this planet for all these years. Who cares? Let's just do what we want to do. And because of that, you kind of get the Firefly family out of this bunch. I mean, they're just mm-hmm. kind of ragtag, yeah. ripping people's faces off, cutting their throats with spurs on their boots. I mean, you know, they're having fun, yeah. you know? You end up still kind of caring for them. I mean, you're kind of happy, I think, when they, you know, bite the dust at the end or whatever. But pun intended. There's something about these, yeah. But you kind of, you kind of appreciate these characters to some degree, and the fact that you know them jumping in a car. And again, this just goes back to timekeeping. You know, let's jump in a car and spray paint the windows and put up tinfoil real quick. Yeah. That's you like know. a meth head's idea. <laughs> <laughs> Hold that meth on it. Hold the meth. <laughs> well, especially the one scene where they put the fi- the foil over the windows, but they rolled the window down and poked a hole in it so they can stick their gun out of the hole, yeah. <laughs> the tin foil, and be able to shoot. I'm like, yeah, that's creative right there. Well, I just thought, like, once they burn the, the, the RV and then they send Severin to go steal a car, he steals the most conspicuous car on the lot. Like, the one <laughs> right. car you're going to notice that got stolen, like that, that old station wagon. <laughs> well, look at the truck that he stole before. I'm like, what is are you a fan of Sanford and Son? What's up with this? Why are you buying that old truck? But yeah, man, I, I just I, I think this movie is well put together. Uh, to to today's time, it probably drags a little bit. You the, there's a long introduction there, but I still love the fact that they never say the word vampire. I don't even remember seeing the like any fangs or anything like that. I think it's it's a well-made movie, and that's what's impressive about it, because this movie is very low budget. I think they said about five million bucks to be made. I think it still hands up, holds up pretty well. Um, that's kind of my take on it, man. I, I think the whole ending scene where with Homer uh, wanting to take dude's sister and and make make her be his partner, that whole part of it too. And again, like you said, he's paying, trying to pay him back. You know, for taking his woman from four, and oh, that's pretty messed up, man. Oh yeah, it's, it's yeah. disturbing when you really think about it. Well, I mean, to be fair, he didn't. He didn't really. He, nope, he didn't know that was her until Caleb walked in and saw her and was like, "Oh, hey!" If she was just some random girl at coat machine, um, that he was immediately infatuated with. And I noticed this from because you'll notice certain things like the uh, the, the police chase scene. It's totally epic and it's an amazing scene but then Caleb busts the van out and then like crashes out and drives away and there's no place to go there's no place to hide but the cops just don't chase him and like one of those things like you don't notice you're like oh well I guess the cops are like oh well that (laughs) like I guess they left never mind um but there's certain scenes like that that are just you know you don't think about it because of edits and cuts and it doesn't but you know, once he realized it was his sister, it made him more obsessed. But as far as he was concerned, right. it was just somebody his age that he could uh, 
have a companion yep. with. Right, they can which, grow old together. Or yeah. Grow old never together. Or right. However you want to say it. Dude, speaking of like a, yeah. a Rob Zombie homage, uh, that, that whole shootout scene when they're in that little shack is just awesome. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It is dead up. House of Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's you. You could almost splice those together, and it would be the same thing. That whole, that whole like last little bit of the movie. I mean, from the shootout all the way to the the station wagon, and then meeting their demise. I got that Rob Zombie kind of feel to it. Definitely, yep, very much. Absolutely, so. and and the weird chase scene right there, where you've got you know the the girl bringing back the the sister to her brother, and then you got Homer chasing behind, and they're bursting into flames. You're just like. This is uh, it's very it's very well done for the time period, man. Oh, I mean, yeah. you can tell the flames are kind of overlaid. They're overlaid on Homer, but it still looks pretty good. I read about that actually. They didn't. They wanted to. They had him in a in a fire suit, um, but the the winds were really really high that day, and it kept blowing the smoke off, and it wasn't the cameras weren't catching it. So uh, they filmed ah. the scene, and then they watched the the. The, the takes and we're like yeah that doesn't work so they added some effects uh, later but the intention was for it to be practical all the way through which would have been badass to see the kid on fire for real <laughs> like <no. laughs> instead, of, instead of cigars like up, they, they used on uh, the guy earlier they just have a bunch of sparklers tied mm-hmm. to him mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so on the last short bus Billy I haven't released it yet but we did a movie called Dragon Fury and, and Richard Lynch is in it who you know he was caught on fire in real life but you know every movie he's in they set him on fire it's just like <laughs> how many times can you relive this dream you know <laughs> I can just imagine Richard Lynch walking onto the set and being like well your first time's always your worst <laughs> completely aside have you guys have you guys heard or seen the uh, movies that made us on Netflix I haven't seen movies that made us yet, but I want to. Okay, the uh, movies that made us, it's its really cool. We've watched a couple episodes, but um, you talk about the guy who's on fire. The, the director wanted uh, Patrick Swayze or wanted, you know, a similar uh, actor in that uh, similar popular style actor. Swayze's resume said no dancing. And uh, so they're like, <laughs> well, never mind, like, would pass and then uh, <laughs> somebody pointed out like oh man no he's actually a very well respected high, high profile ballet dancer um, so they reached out and he's like sure I'll uh, I'll come in and take a look so sometimes you have to put like willing to be set on fire on your resume <laughs> in order to get the jobs because <laughs> if that director hadn't just wanted that guy then it would have been uh they, they were they were gonna cast Billy Zane in uh, Dirty Dancing. What? Yeah, no they got way. Some, yeah, they've got some audition tapes and it's hilarious. You really need to watch the the movies that made us. It's awesome. Uh, <laughs> Billy Zane, man. Yes, <laughs> that's that's awesome. Uh, now I want to see Tales from the Crypt Demonite with Patrick I can't Swayze. Even imagine it. You're right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Is maybe they switch roles. Uh. <laughs> Anywho, back to, back to vampire flicks. Uh, you know, I, I, like we were saying, I think this one is not talked about a whole lot, but I think a lot of other vampires movies, like Levi was saying, 
you can tell that they have seen this and kind of pulled from it because we've seen this idea in later stuff. So that's why I regard this movie so highly because everything starts from somewhere. Somebody's the originator. And I really think this is one of those that really changed the mindset of what a vampire is because before this, it was totally hammer film, gothic kind of thing. And, and I think this is when it kind of started that trend. This and Lost Boys because they're both the same time. And possibly Vamp. <laughs> Can't leave Vamp out of the conversation. <laughs> But uh, I don't know, man. I have a high regard for this film, man. And the only thing I've, I've had a problem with looking back on it now is possibly the whole transfusion thing. Yeah, I, I, I don't yeah. think that's very likely, but I was I was willing to overlook it. Yeah, I definitely overlooked that. It, it just caught me off guard because, like, I've always been the type with vampire movies. I mean, if you get bitten, you're dead. You know, you die. Your body dies. There's no coming back, yeah. Yeah, so, like, whenever they did the transfusion thing, I was like, wait a minute. Like, his, is he back from the dead? I mean, how's that work? And what was it, horse blood? Yes. I'm, Who knows? I think. Well, no, it, was, it, was Tim Thomer, <laughs> it was Tim Thomerson blood, which will cure anything. So, you know, <laughs> you got you got doll man in your system. <laughs> you got the DM blood. Again, you know, not uh, not. I mean, you got you got to convince. Like, if, if you go by the lore, you know, you could be uh, unvamped if you killed the head vampire in Lost Boys. And um, so, uh, there, that's true. There, there is a path to redemption through some of these movies, not all of them. But uh, I was trying to wrap my head around the fact of his his dad does the transfusion to change him back, but his dad doesn't become a vampire. So where does the blood go? And then he's going to use his body to transform May at the end to make her so does that make him back a vampire again I'm, I'm just a little lost in the you know the idea of the transfusion because you know if, if it's a bloodborne pathogen that's causing this thanks George Lucas see what right. you did to us man oh it's med it's metachlorians you know whatever <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know that that that's the only thing that kind of makes me go yeah that probably doesn't hold up as well now as it probably did at the time but again i think they were just reshaping the whole idea of the concept of what vampirism is well kind of kind of like what uh i was gonna say kind of like what johnny was saying i was willing to i was willing to look overlook at overlook it and just kind of like it's a little hokey but whatever i mean there's other hokey stuff in the world that's not that big of a deal the only thing that really got me is sometimes again these little things you don't the consequences, the things you don't like. Even if May um, unvamps herself, she is still a mass murderer. She still killed like hundreds and hundreds of people, and yeah. she's gonna be your girlfriend. Yeah, and I you're mean, cool with that. Like, what kind of mom <laughs> is she gonna be? Like, <laughs> well, everything's good now, you know. Yeah. And not to not to mention that both of them were involved in the bar. And both of them, you know, that kid saw their faces, and uh, you know, what about the truck shoot, driver? I mean, they had to shoot out with the, the cops. Too, the truck, so. yeah, May killed that one truck driver. The one other truck driver that uh, Severin killed, but then uh, burned in the truck with Severin whenever he jackknifed it. It's like there's a lot of body count. <laughs> The the sarcastic counting guy, you mean? The guy in the truck goes, one, two, four. Yeah. <laughs> and then I love how Caleb falls mm. out and starts, like, regurgitating or whatever and starts freaking out. And he's like, what? You're not used to drinking and driving? <laughs> <laughs> see, see, Levi, you don't understand, but in the 80s, drinking and driving was just what you did. Hey. 
I'm down with it. I mean, <laughs> I when Sam Kinison used to have a bit about that, remember Sam Kinison was like, man, what's, and it was a new thing. He's like, what's this? He's like, yesterday I go to the bar, have a couple drinks, go home. Today it's like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, mothers against dry, drunk driving, get off my back. <laughs> he, said, uh, he said, it's not like I get in my car and go, man, I hope I get drunk and slide into a family of six tonight. Woo-hoo! <laughs> I love Sam, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you want to get rid of the homeless problem? I got an easy solution. Execution. <laughs> <laughs> so bad, dude. So bad. You know it. So, so awesome, though. <laughs> And, and uh, you know, again, just the the eighties were a different time, man. It was it was a lot of fun. <laughs> this was this was a fun film. I mean, I like I said, this is the first time I'd ever seen it, but and I love a good vampire film, and this was for for it being released in eighty seven, like you guys said, along with everything else. This was a fun watch for sure. I'm glad you liked it, man, because I thought, well, you know, it, it does kind of the plot, you know, trot along a little bit with the story and stuff. But I don't know; it's a good, solid film. It man. did, and and, uh, it, and it did the the plot, like you said. I mean, it it kind of trotted along, and there was some stuff that was kind of hokey and everything. But all in all, I love to see anything that's not that goes against the status quo of your normal normal. You know, vamp- vampire film. I mean, you see the same thing in so many different films. This added a new little view to it, and it and I really enjoyed that. There are so many movies. Like my favorite movie is The Burbs, and and it's cool because it's like this the glimpse into this these people's like just a couple days in their life. And you gotta yeah. you gotta kind of wonder what they're like the rest you know the rest of their year. But movies like this are kind of the same way where. Um, you know, it's it's like instead of the vampire epidemic being shown through like all these different situations, it shows this like small family in like rural Oklahoma and how it affects them. And it's just, I don't know, it's just it's something so different about that take. And I think too that the thing that makes these movies special to us is you feel like these movies are yours, right? It's almost like you discovered it on your own, and you're in a very small group that really even knows what it is. So you feel like it's part of you know it's it's yours you know mm-hmm. and i think that's that's something we kind of miss nowadays you don't you don't have that a lot anymore <clears throat> i totally oh, yeah. agree and i think i think the uh with you know like cult status or not even cult status but just like i guess the rise of kind of the the popularity of geekdom you know pop culture and nerddom being an acceptable thing i mean like not not to sit you know like my my sad sad story but you know like i always joke around you know we go to these giant pop culture conventions like you know you see like san diego comic-con or new york or dragon con and there's like literally hundreds of thousands of people trying to get in paying premium tickets at you know four or five hundred dollars a pop and i'm like and there's all these cosplayers and all these all these you know actresses and 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 all this stuff and i'm like man Back in the you know late eighties, early nineties, when I was going to comic conventions, it was in a Holiday Inn, um, in in like a little conference yeah. room, and the only woman that was anywhere near the place worked there, and so you had this kind of niche thing that was you and your friends that you know nobody really, I mean, y'all talked about it amongst yourselves, but you certainly didn't talk about it at school, uh, <laughs> and. Um, yeah. You, know, you, could, you could talk about rock and roll, but you didn't really talk about being a fan of Star Wars. You know what I mean? Like, right. Um, 
Whereas, as as pop culture has evolved in the last long time, there's still like there's still some of these just hidden gems. There's these certain things that have not caught the public eye that you can still kind of claim as like, oh man, that <laughs> that's mine. That's still mine. Like a like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. You mean? <laughs> well, that one's rough, dude. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> that's, that's a hard one to watch. <laughs> it's it's impressive. <laughs> oh, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, y'all got anything else you want to say about this one before we go to the ratings? I do. I have one one more thing. One thing about this sure. movie, and although I think it worked at times, the one thing I didn't like about this movie, and and every time I've watched, it's the same thing. Is is the Tangerine Dream soundtrack? Oh. I was just about to say the same thing, man. <laughs> I'm you. Oh, okay. So you, you know, it's not. So you're not a big fan of the soundtrack, then? Oh no, I do like it. Oh no, see, I'm not a big fan of the soundtrack to this. Oh really? No, I. Uh, at times, oh, like at times it's all right, but sometimes it's just it just doesn't fit as well as it could. Well, yeah, that's the reason you bring in John Parr, right? And do exactly Naughty and... George Strait. <laughs> George Strait. No, you know, I thought it kind of worked. I think it really put it in that that time frame for sure because Tangerine Dream, Dream were, you know, they were doing just about every soundtrack around. They were the goblin of the time, really. And, I, uh, I remember this in Legend. Yeah, they did a, a bunch of flicks, man. And it's probably not their best stuff, but I don't know. I, I When you hear it, you know what it is. That's the thing about it. They had a signature sound, which was all, you know, Yamaha DX7. <laughs> you know, you could tell the the instruments of choice. You know, but uh, I don't know, man. I, it, again, that's just one of those staples of 1987. Uh, you know, like you said, the legend soundtrack and all that stuff. They were they were you know the hired guns of the time. Move over, John Williams. Here's Tangerine Dream. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, I'm surprised, Johnny. I, I figured you were you know you might have liked it, but you know. Like I said, it's not their best stuff, but no, and I mean, all their stuff sounds the other stuff sounds the same. So there, there, there are just some movies. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, I like, I love the stuff they did in Legend, but uh, there's some movies like I don't know. There were times at the end of this movie where the soundtrack jived really well, but earlier in the movie, I'm just, I was kind of like, oh, this, I don't know, just it kind of pulled me out a little bit, and and maybe that was just because yeah. I hadn't seen it probably since I was a teenager, and I'd smoked a bunch of crack before I watched it, so. <laughs> well, hey, <laughs> more like methamphetamine dream. <laughs> can, can, no. can we not get some more dubstep up in here? <laughs> All right, let's move into some ratings here, man. Now, Billy, what we do? We do basically a one through five rating, just like we do on everything else. Five stars being the best, one being you don't really care for it. But you kind of, you know, use it as something that's in the movie. Kind of hell mingish, right? <laughs> so I'll go ahead and go first. I'm going to give this movie four pickup trucks driving down the road with a girl with a pink cowboy hat saying, Howdy! <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and give this movie four bloody Flemmy Lance Henriksen bullets in your pocket. <laughs> Is that a bullet in your pocket? Or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> Am I next? Sure, why not? Right on, right on. Yeah, um, kept thinking about what I was going to give it five of, but then I was like, you know, while I love Near Dark, there are still 
some, there's obviously movies that I like better, so it doesn't quite go to the five. So I'm going to give it four Severance Spurs. Yes, <laughs> He'll ask for them back. Yeah, those things are badass. Yeah, they are. All right, Levi, what you got? Well, damn it. You stole mine, Billy. I mean, I was going to say, you know, obviously I'm going with the four. I'm going to go with the uh, the four. Uh, I was going to say, spur, uh, you know, bloody boot spurs. But since you took that one, I'm going to have to say I give it four severed assless chaps. <laughs> no, not quite. I'm going to go with I'll have to I'll have to give this movie a solid four lasso detain women. <laughs> oh yeah <clears throat> and then he goes man you're strong <laughs> give this movie four lassoed hashtag B2s <laughs> and I love the fact too because like I said we just we just got through with the prophecy which is all about a big bear slapping people around but we get to see some good slapping around in here too man because Bill Paxson punches dude and he goes flying and lands on the road like way down the road is like wow that's pretty effective then he punches the dude in the bar and he's like did I do that yeah, totally <laughs> and I look how Paxton just makes fun of him he's like did I do that he's like ha ha did I do that <laughs> a lot of you don't know this but that was a this is a prequel to uh, Family Matters <laughs> Severin <laughs> Urkel you know those, those those scenes with Severin where he's like spills a dude's drink and he's like hey man maybe this dude's alright give him a drink and he's like now pay the man <laughs> just like <laughs> cannot possibly be more disrespectful it's so cool <laughs> did I ever tell you the one about Buffalo Bill <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, on the Facebook group, we asked uh, for your comments and quotes, of, I guess, about this movie. Is your thoughts on it? And I've got about three here. I know, Billy, I think you had one on yours as well. Uh, I didn't round that one up, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> uh, but uh, my buddy Derek B. said, uh, OMG, fantastic ensemble of characters in this one with some dark direction from Catherine Bigelow. Plus, the first time I heard the hypnotic Tangerine Dream score. So there you go. I was hooked. Uh, for the slow burn ride because it's not your typical vampire movie love it long live in memory of Bill Paxton so there you go he's he's a fan of the soundtrack too Derek knows what's going on <laughs> uh, Sam Edwards says I rate this <laughs> hey he's playing the game too I rate this one 10,000 blood sucking Bill Paxton's out of 10 damn <laughs> 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 Uh, and uh, Rafael Diaz says, smoking people with a smoking van in a movie dis- distributed by Dino De Laurentiis. Very good point. This is the De Laurentiis production, man. So uh, I made a spill about De Laurentiis on Hail Ming, and I basically said, you know when you see the name De Laurentiis, there's about a 62% chance it's going to be pretty good. <laughs> nice. It says... Uh, What's there not to like? Again, this is uh, this is a movie which I got to see because you guys made this episode. Thank you very much. Yeah, Raphael's been kind of hanging out with us and wanting to know what movies we're doing next, wanting to watch them ahead of time. That way, when they hear the episode, they you know kind of know what's going on. So, uh, if you guys are interested in that as well, you're more than welcome to find the movie on your own time because I'm not going to do it for you. <laughs> 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 no, I'm kidding. If you need help with these, I'll tell you they're all on YouTube. You want to try to dig the one up on yours, Billy? Um, I knew what it was. It was uh, my friend Michael who just said it was um, one of one of the best vampire movies of the 80s that nobody's ever seen. 
which is pretty much what we've been talking about the whole yeah. time. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's very true. So, folks, if you haven't seen this one, take the time, man, hunt it down. Uh, it shouldn't be as difficult to find if, if you're just looking for a digital rip of it or whatever. Uh, it's a solid flick, even if you're not a. I'm not a big vampire fan, but I really like this movie. I think it's fantastic. See, I agree. I'm I'm not the hugest vampire fan, but at one point in my life, I actually kind of was. Um, I went through and read all of, like the Vampire Chronicles. And it wasn't it wasn't like that uh, teenage angst sort of thing. I was past that. I was in my twenties, but I know enough about vampires that whenever they're well done, you have to really yeah. tip your hat to them because there's so many that are not well done that are just hokey and they're playing on old tropes or worse, they're trying to revamp old tropes which makes it worse than the, the old tropes themselves yeah. and um, with, right. with with this one it was like okay yeah they don't mention vampire they don't use crosses they don't use holy water they don't use garlic but you know what they don't use any of that so you don't actually know what would happen if they did um, so they left it kind of in that realm of spec right. and um, so they didn't they didn't play it any kind of uh, hokey retellings they just uh minimalism was their was their friend here and i really appreciated that anybody else got anything you want to say about this one watch it watch it everybody watch the damn movie and like ricky said uh if you guys are looking for if you guys are looking for a digital copy of it and you don't mind you know uh the lower resolutions and everything it is on youtube you can type it in and look it up there all right, so I guess what we're going to do, Billy, I'm going to give you a chance, man. Tell everybody where they can find Scary Dad, all that good stuff. Go ahead, man. Let them have it. Well, right now, um, just scarydad.com, just all one word. Um, in the process of being revamped website, kind of like the uh, Return of the Jedi uh, Death Star, it is fully functional, but it's not very pretty, but it's there. So I tell the ladies. Quite operational. <laughs> um, and I'm still waiting for some of my my uh, stuff to come back from other podcast networks, but right now you can find us on iTunes at the Scary Dad Podcast. Um, Absolutely. We are still in the stages of planning for the next year's uh, uh, event, so information will be on the site when it does but that's that's really to find the, the news now and then i'll be adding links and stuff in the future so so and i'm going to encourage him as well as you know when you post your new episodes man just jump over on house of wax and post them there too that way these people can check them out man certainly i'll be yeah. glad to and i can't say it enough man I, I i love scary dad man i think it's a fantastic show and and i think you and scott are a great team and I was getting a little worried there because it seemed like y'all might have been, you know, pulling apart a little bit, and and I know that's kind of painful, but I'm I'm tickled that you guys are gonna gonna keep it going, and and uh, I'm excited about that. The only bad thing is every time you have your convention, it's always on my birthday, so I can't. <laughs> well, I can't make the road trip. <laughs> it's my it's on my birthday too, dude. We're having we have the same birthday, <laughs> so I know I'm sitting there running around you know tired and and broke and (laughs) you know trying to help everybody i'm like man it's my birthday somebody ought to bring me a beer whatever somebody usually does it's always it's always good but man it's it's a long day (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, man, we absolutely appreciate you coming on and hanging out with us, man. It's been fantastic talking about this movie, and obviously we'll have you back. Maybe awesome. talk a little Jason. Who knows? Maybe so. Maybe so. Are we afraid to say that? Should we say it? Because <laughs> it might it might come back to haunt us again. Let's let's agree to not do that, and then if we do it, we'll just do it. Uh, we'll just spring it on everybody <laughs> under a different title. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, again, I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, thanks, I'm, dude. Absolutely, man. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. All right, folks, that's it for us. Don't forget to hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, your mama's gram, all that good stuff. Join the Facebook group. Hang out with us. Communicate with us. Tell us what you want us to cover. We got a lot of people coming on the show. We got, we got a little Christmas special we're going to do next episode or a, a Christmas movie that you wouldn't really think of being a Christmas movie. Ooh, I can't wait. It's going to be a surprise. That'll be awesome. So, till then, everybody take care of yourselves. And we will see you later. Adios, folks.